there, this is Tiff and welcome to the Tiffany Micah podcast. What we do here is we solve your problems so that you're out there working on achieving your big dreams and big goals. So when you listen to these episodes, if you can do me a favor, take a screenshot of the episode that you're actually listening to, share it on social media and share it with your friends with hashtag potential with tip so that i can give you a shout out and really thank you for listening because i'd really appreciate it hey there this is tiff from the tiffany micah podcast and welcome to today's episode now why am i sharing these anti-bloodline codes with you and you you would have heard me record quite a number of uh, bloodline codes. There's approximately 11 that I shared with you. And the reason that I'm sharing these anti-bloodline codes with you is because if you're doing these action steps in the anti-bloodline codes and you expect to become a professional athlete, the big, you know, achieving your big goals in your sport, I'm really sorry to say, but I'm going to speak the truth here. You won't make it. And this is why I am sharing these anti-bloodline codes with you as well, because I want to make you aware. And I'll explain what what I really mean here. So currently I'm teaching golf and I actually teach a lot of golfers uh, mainly over 60 female and all they want to do is play golf and all they think that they need to do is just get on the golf course and play the course. That's all they, they think they need to do and they believe that that's all that they need to do in, to improve. But the problem is, is what they don't understand is that it's really crucial to learn the skills. So note that I'm saying it's crucial to learn the skills. Okay. So you're on your path and you're on your journey of becoming the, the athlete that you want to become. Yet people that are much older than you want to be able to achieve some great things in their sport, but they're not willing, they're not willing to actually really learn the skills. They just want to get out and play and think that that's the answer. And that's actually not the answer. You need to make sure that you're learning the skills. Okay. So I'm, I'm really exaggerating that, making that a point for you because you've got to learn the skills. Now, the same with my niece's soccer team. So if you've been listening to me for a while now, um, I've been sharing with you about my, I got the opportunity to work with my niece's soccer team, like coaching them. And I was a co-coach, so I wasn't the full coach, but I was a co-coach. And we've just finished the season. We had a great night out the other night with all the kids and everything. And the parents were, were saying how great it was that I was able to bring them and work them as a team and so on. And the, the, a lot of the things that I was really focused on is, was working on improving their skills, building them as a team, uh, creating strategies so that they could use strategies out on the field and implement what we're learning. Um, and, and, you know, the big point that I was always encouraging them to do was it was having the skills in place so that it makes the execution of the game of how we want to play the game. It just makes it so much easier. But yeah, you know what? We want it to be fun. That's Life should be fun. Life should be exciting. 
And I'm, I'm just talking about 12-year-olds here, right? 11 and 12-year-olds are actually in this, but I wanted to ensure that they learnt skills, built skills to help develop their execution in their game, also to have some fun, respect each other, work as a team, okay? Work as a team is really important as well. Um, and yet they did incredibly well. This was their first year together as a team. So some of the kids had incredible skills. Uh, some of the kids had just, were just learning this year. And in, when we got to the semi-final and the final, especially, and obviously throughout the round, we were playing against kids that have, you know, um, part of an academy and so on. So the kids did incredibly well. They made it through to the final. I was unfortunately away in Canada doing a golf tour. Well, not unfortunately, fortunately doing a golf tour, but unfortunate for the kids with the timing as I wasn't able to be there for their last, um, for their finals game. And, you know, I felt like if I was there, I I could have helped them get over the line because they only just lost. But uh, you know, they, they had an incredible effort. But the thing that I, and the point that I want to get across to you here is the difference though between the, you know, athletes, and I want you to be thinking about yourself, is the difference between those who want to be the best that they can be in their sport or be the best that they can be in what they're pursuing and those that just want to muck around and have a good time, there is a huge difference there. And I'm talking about if you want to be the professional athlete that you want to become, do you want to be that professional or do you want to just be an amateur in the sport? Now, I'm not saying that you can't you, you, you can't have fun because you should be having fun. You should be enjoying the journey that you're on. You should be enjoying the path you're on. You should be enjoying the learning experiences that you're gaining from your sport through your, the skills, the training, the on-course experience, so to speak, or the on-field experience everything. It should be a huge learning curve, but you should also be enjoying it. So I'm not saying that you shouldn't be because you should be, but from an amateur point of view and also from a professional point of view, I've been both an amateur and a professional. And I can tell you, I'd much be a professional any day. And the reason for that is because I love to strive for mastery and I love to strive for excellence, right? That's what I love because it's, important to me to be the best that I can be. And that's what I want for you. I want you to be striving for mastery, striving for excellence for you. I'm not saying don't have a good time, don't enjoy it because I want you to enjoy it, but I just want you to understand what I'm talking about with this anti-bloodline code in the sense that you won't strive for mastery. So this is my, my, um, definition of not striving for mastery and that means that you don't believe that you need to know the skills you just want to get out there and play you'll only do the work if it's fun and entertaining and again I'm not saying that you shouldn't be it shouldn't be fun and entertaining but you'll only do it if it's fun and entertaining Uh, you believe that natural talent will just be enough to get you there you won't work on the skills and get them right you're quite blase in your attitude You want to be good, but you don't want to be great and you reject having to do the work and you won't work hard. You just want to cruise. Yet when you get beaten, you blame everyone else. 
Right. And we don't want that to happen. If you really want to achieve what it is that you want to achieve, we've got to make sure that we're doing the activities, the actions that we need to put in place in order for that to happen. So what are the main points here with the anti-bloodline code? Well, these are the main points. I've just read out what my large definition of not striving for mastery. Well, here's, here's some main points. So one is you don't believe that you need to know the skills. Two, you will only do it if it's fun. Three, you're relying purely on natural talent. Four, you reject having to do the hard work. Five, you complain when you get beaten. And then six, you blame everyone else because you've lost, right? So if this is you and you're going through this, it doesn't mean that you can't change. It doesn't mean that this is how you're going to be forever because you can make change. You can. It's It's possible. But you have to want to do the work to do the change. And you know what? Making changes are really difficult because it's so easy just to stay where you're at. Right? It's comfortable. It's uncomfortable pushing yourself. It's uncomfortable making changes. I I'm, can tell you I'm, I've been doing that for, for many years now is keep pushing, keep changing, keep developing, keep growing. And I'll tell you I'd much rather be in the space where I am now than where I was Two years ago, five years ago, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, even 20 years ago, even 25 years ago. So you can change it, but I'm going to assume that you do want to make the changes. And you're probably thinking, Tiff, I I do, you know, I, I do rely on my natural talent. And I don't believe that I need to know the skills. I just, I just want to get out there and do it. And I get it. But how, how are we going to change you into really achieving what it is that you want to achieve if you're sort of stuck in this anti-bloodline code? So you may have heard, and if you haven't, and this is your first time listening to me, but you, I talked about the bloodline code striving for mastery. And I've, I did that just recently. And there were actually six major areas that you need to be focusing on in when you're uh, when you are striving for mastery. And so, I look at it that what you're doing is you're striving to be the best that you can be. You're striving for excellence, okay? Not just good, striving for excellence. And that's why I want you to be thinking that you're striving for mastery. So, what I've done here is I've added the following bloodline code, the, code, the whole episode. Strive for mastery, tacked it on at the end here so that you understand where you're at with the anti-bloodline code in the sense that you're not striving for mastery and those are the reasons why, which those main points that I shared with you. Now what we need to be doing is we need to be putting things into action You, because the reason that we need to be putting things into action is that It's all good and well to listen to it when you're out training or you're going for a walk or whatever it is that you're doing when you're listening to these episodes or any other episodes from other podcast shows. It's all great to listen to them. But unless you're actually taking action, nothing will change. It's good to have it in the head and understand it from an intellectual point of view. But unless you're actually taking the steps, you're actually doing the actions, what I suggest for you to do here well, what I'm going to tell you to do, 
you need nothing's going to change okay so I want you to make sure that you're listening to this striving for mastery episode again I want you to listen to what I teach you here and if you haven't heard it get your notebook out and get ready to take notes if you have heard it and you haven't yet taken notes because I point out six major areas that you've got to be focusing on I want you to take the notes and then you know what you've got to do you've got to take action so I hope you enjoy the rest of uh, listening to the striving for mastery get that notebook ready and I look forward to uh, hearing what your feedback is and what action steps you're putting into place and before I share that episode that it's about to follow make sure you also go to to my website tiffany-mika.com and go and download download the number one deadly mistake athletes make really important that you download that because if you're not aware of that 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 will be and I will guarantee you that'll be the biggest thing that will hold you back in your sport so make sure you go to the website but right now I want you to be listening to the bloodline code striving for mastery I'll see you soon Now, what we're going to be talking about today is what I call my bloodline code. And the reason that I call it a bloodline code is these are really like, you want to be thinking about the, the code in which you operate for success. So when we think of bloodline, I want you to be thinking about it this way. I want you to be thinking about what type of breed you are. And I don't mean like a dog because, you know, we talk about a breed of a dog. But the type in which you want to be, you know, your form of excellence. And so I created this bloodline code in order to help you to identify exactly what it is that your, what needs to be part of your makeup. Okay. So today we're looking, as you can see by the title, as we're looking at striving for mastery. And this is just one of them, okay? There are a number of bloodline codes that I have put out um, and set up in place. So you'll be hearing about those over the next few episodes. Um, so make sure that you have your notes ready for, for, or your notebook ready for this one so you can take notes about creating your bloodline code. And you can use mine because the reason that I've put this together is actually to help you. This is how I operate and how what I expect from me, but this is actually what I expect from you as well. And if you want to add more to your bloodline code as we go through these, absolutely. And I'd love to hear from you as well. So, but Going back to bloodline, so I want you to be thinking really not just as as a bloodline, I want you to be thinking as as the bloodline code, okay, the way in which you expect yourself to operate. And I don't want you to be thinking so much about where you've come from, I want you to be thinking about where you want to go and how you expect yourself to operate, okay? So it's like your origin. It's a point or a place where something begins, it arises or is derived, okay? This is your, what we call, this is your birthright, okay? So as you see in the title, we're talking about today's bloodline code, which we're going to discuss, and that's about striving for mastery. And do you remember that last episode that I sent out to you, um, 
that you would have listened to with Ash Barty. And Ash Barty was talking about in that, uh, what was her press conference after she won the French Open. She's just won another tournament, another grass tournament. So she's now number one. So congratulations, Ash Barty. But what she was talking about was trusting her technique and having sound technique. So this strive for mastery, I've actually put this as number three on the bloodline code that I've created for you, but it is definitely in the top three of the bloodline code because, I mean, even Ash Barty highlighted, she said, I trust my technique, I have sound technique. So what she does is she strives for mastery in her skill, okay? So that's what you've got to be thinking about as well. So it won't matter what code I'm actually going to be talking about. I don't have to go through them in order, but I felt like it was really important that we spoke about this one today. So I want you to be thinking about what you need to be working on when you're striving for mastery, okay? Because I want you to be working on this one. So you actually need to be working on this because... I want to ensure that you understand what you've got to do here and I'm going to show you how to do it, okay? So I'm going to give you what I believe are the qualities in Strive for Mastery in in the Bloodline Code and I believe that you you should have these, okay? So striving for mastery, you strive for your excellence, You aspire to be unparalleled. You seek to exert optimal effort of yourself. You you are flawless in your skills. You are like machine-like in your craft. You outclass and outshine your opposition and you surpass your opposition. Pretty powerful words, aren't they? Now, when I was putting this together for each, actually each bloodline code, I actually went back into the dictionary and I was looking at words in which could really describe what you need to be doing when you're striving for mastery. But what I want you to really be aware of is the three most important ones that I want you to really focus on when we're striving for mastery. Number one, you're striving for excellence, okay? You don't want to just be good. You want to be excellent. And I'm not talking about being perfect. I'm talking about being excellent, all right? You're striving for excellence. Number two, you seek optimal effort of yourself. So what you want to be doing every time you step into the gym, you get out on the running track, you... Um, Step out onto the tennis court, golf course, soccer field, swimming pool, uh, lacrosse field, whatever. You expect yourself to, to not, I'm not talking about being perfect, giving your best effort of you that you can in that, in that time that you're actually training, performing, whatever it is. You need to make sure that you're giving the best that you can give in that day. If it's not as good as another day, that's okay. You keep putting that effort in, okay? And number three, flawless in your skills. I want you to be machine-like in your craft. Now, I actually call that being mechanically efficient, and I've talked about that a lot in um, in sports that I've taught over the years. If you're mechanically efficient, it just makes it so much easier, okay? So to become a master of something... What I want you to be able to do is 
be the master of your sport. And the thing is, is when you hear that, you're like, yeah, great. Okay, yes, I'm going to be mechanically efficient. I'm going to be a master of my sport. I'm going to strive for excellence. I'm going to seek optimal effort of myself and I'm going to be flawless in my skills. Makes you feel good, doesn't it? Pumps you up, right? But it's going to take, I want you to be aware of this because it's going to take time. It's going to take effort mental effort and physical effort, okay? It's going to take a lot out of you to be able to do this. And if this is what you want, then do it, okay? But be aware that that it's going to take this. It's not, you don't just rock up, and I'm going to show you how to strive for mastery shortly, but you don't just rock up and go, oh, yeah, I can do this. you got to do specific things which like I said I'll share with you in order for it to happen okay so like I said it's going to be tough because you're going to have to grind it out and the other thing is you've got to be patient you have got to be patient there's so many people out there I I teach a lot of older women in golf because that's you know older people who are semi-retired or I shouldn't say older people, but people that are semi-retired and retired have a lot more time to play a sport like golf because it requires a lot of time, you know, to play and, and so on. And everyone seems to be going through this stage right now throughout our world being time poor. But the problem is, is that the skills don't happen any quicker. They really don't. You still have to put the work in. So a lot of people come to me and go, oh, I haven't got time, I haven't got time because they're older, majority of them. I haven't got time to do this. Yes, you do. You have to spend the time. Now, if you're 16, 17, 20, 25 and you're listening to me, you have plenty of time, yeah, but you know what? You've got to be patient and you've got to do the work, okay? And then what you have to do is you have to repeat it continuously until you get it right, and you repeat it continuously until you get it deep into you, what I call your DNA. It's so, so important. And any area of your game that is not working, guess what you're going to have to do? You're going to have to master it, okay, because that's the only way. So by saying that, and I've just said you've got to work on areas in which you're weak at, some people will turn around and say, oh, no, you shouldn't be working on your weaknesses, You should just be working on your strengths, you know, and when you're playing a sport like that, like what you're playing, you've got to work on all of it because you've got to to remember this. We are striving for mastery and our focus is to be flawless. And like I've said just before, I'm not talking about being perfect. I'm talking about being a master at your craft, okay, your sport. So, for example, when... uh, I've hit golf balls when I'm demonstrating specific skills and so on to, to my clients, you know, like a chip shot or a pitch shot or full swing or whatever. And, and my clients go, oh, gee, you, you know, Tiff, you make it look so easy. And my response is always, you know, I've hit thousands and thousands of golf balls. And that's reality. And I took the game up as an adult and, you know, a lot of people say that, oh, yeah, you've, you're a natural because you're a sports person and that's what you've done your whole life and, and all of that kind of thing. But, oh, of course, okay, I was given a gift of sport, great. 
and thank you for the universe for that. <clears throat> but I've also worked really hard. Okay, I worked really hard to be able to get my skill level to the to to what I got it to. And you know what? Most people won't do it, and that's reality. If you look at, you know, um, I'll, I'll give it really. This is a really simple example, but at, at a golf club, when you look at a golf club, when you look at A grade golfers compared to B grade golfers compared to C grade golfers, you only get you know, a handful of A-grade golfers. If you went to a golf club and asked how many female golfers that played in A-grade, you'd probably find that you wouldn't have any more than maybe a dozen women that would do that. Be a little bit more with men because there's more, there's more members that tend to play, so the, the actual number will be high, but it's a very small percentage. And then, like, you've got B and C graders, so they sort of sit somewhere in between a B and a C grader, around about 30, 30 handicap. You don't get too many too many people that play under a 20 handicap. So what does that tell you? It tells you that most people won't do the work because the people, you know, people look at other people and, oh, you know, they're just so good, they're so talented. Uh-uh. They've done the work, okay? So for you to become the athlete you want to become, you've got to have this attitude of you're striving for mastery. So how do we focus on mastery and what do we need to do? Because I know you're scratching your head and going, okay, Tiff, yep, I get that what you're talking about. We need to strive for mastery, but how are we going to do that? There's six points for you to focus on mastery, okay? And I'm going to go through each of them. All right. So the first one is foundations. And this surprises me with so many people is that they just don't do this. Okay. Foundations. For you to get what you need to get out of your sport, you must focus on getting the basics right. The basics are the foundations of all of your skills. So if you think about your sport that you're playing, and I'm going to just use a few different examples here just so that you can get your head around about what I'm talking about. But if you think about the sport that you play, I'm just going to refer to tennis because I know tennis very well. Um, But if you think about the sport you play, I want you to be thinking about what are the skills that you need to know how to do, like every single skill in your sport, what you need to know, what you need to do, okay? So if we think of a tennis, 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 so tennis, we've got forehand, backhand, we've got a forehand volley, backhand volley, we've got a drop shot, we've got a serve, we've got a lob, we've got a smash, haven't we? Then we've got a running forehand, running backhand, we've got movements, you know, forwards, backwards, side to side and so on. So those are the types of skills that we, we have in tennis, the basics. Then if we think about it from a fitness point of view, so I want you to be really thinking about this. So if your sport is not tennis, I want you to be thinking about what your tennis sport, uh, sorry, what your sport is. But these next few points out of this I'm going to share with you, I want you to be thinking about this as well. So I've also stated here fitness. Okay, well, what do you need for fitness with regards to tennis? So I want you to be thinking what do you need with fitness in regards to your sport? Well, what you need in, in tennis is you need strength, you need stamina, you need speed, you need flexibility, you need balance, and you need to know how to recover because that's just as important, okay? Then we move into nutrition. 
Again, think about what you need for your sport. So for nutrition, we need energy, we need stamina, we need to be fueled to last long games and matches. And we also need to know how to recover because it's not only the recovery in the fitness side of things, it's also the recovery in the nutrition, okay? And then the mental side, what, what do we need to be thinking about for the foundations for that? Well, here's some, some examples. This one's a big one, controlling emotions, learning how to focus, staying in the moment, problem solving. Any sport that you play, you're always problem solving. You're always figuring out a way to golf. You, you know, you're really focusing on how you're playing the, the golf course and you're figuring out the obstacles that you come about and you'll have opponents and so on in that. But you, if you're thinking about other sports, you've, majority of the time in sports that you play, you've got an opponent, haven't you? So you're always working on problem solving, okay? So this is the foundations. We need to make sure we get the foundations right first, okay? So once we've established that, then number two, we need to craft the plan. So what I mean by that is that you need to craft your plan around once you've established what your foundations are for your, for your sport. And if you don't know how to do that um, and you want some uh, help with that or you want an expert to help you or you would like me to help you, just send me an email tiff at tiffany-mika.com and I can go through it with you. I can do a you know, like a Zoom call or something with you so we can go through it. So if you'd like me to, to go through it with you, I'm happy to do so. So in each of those skills that I've mentioned, you have to understand the technique of the skills. You need to have to understand each piece of the skill. So it's not just it's not just establishing what your foundations are. It's crafting the plan in the sense of, okay, I know what the foundations are. Now I need to know in each of the skills, I need to understand the technique. I need to understand each piece because we want to put a plan together, Okay. Number three, drills. Once you've got your plan in place on what you need to be focused on working on, then we need to have the drills put in place, don't we? Okay. So there's things like exercises that you've got to do. There's, you can, you know, there's so much information out on the internet now. You can get it through experts on the internet. You can go through books. Uh, you can watch what the pros do. You can go to tournaments, watch, watch what the pros do when they're warming up and so on and how they're handling themselves. You want someone who is so much better to than you so that you can actually go and ask them, reach out to them and ask them questions. What do they do? What are the drills that they do that, that's, that's getting them to the level that, that they're accomplishing? Number four, this is so important and so many young people don't do this. So many people that, that I teach in golf as well don't do this, but so many people who want to be able to, to become the sports people that they want to become, they just don't do this. So you have to make sure you do this one. Number four, pressure practice, right? So it's great to do the work. I get it. I, you've heard my story before about tennis, worked really, really hard, 10 hours of training a day, did the work. But what I didn't do much of was practicing under pressure and that's why I would crumble in my matches, especially the big ones. So we need to make sure that when you're creating your plan, you need to make sure that you have uh, things set up in place and your drills where you are creating pressure. 
Because if you can't practice in pressure, you will not be able to compete under pressure. I can guarantee you that one, okay? Now, I was teaching a lady the other day, and it was quite interesting because I, her and I get on very, very well, and, and she really gets with where I'm taking her with a golf. And when she feels under pressure with time, uh, you can see that her her swing starts to left, let, let her down and she gets quite panicky. So when she was doing the lesson the other day, what was happening was that I, I was talking to her. I said, look, if you can't just hit a nice easy ball here in practice, you're not going to be able to do it out on the course. And she understands that. And it's, it's all about learning to control her emotions around her shots because she was always thinking that she had to hit the ball as hard as possible and you don't have to, once you've got your technique in place, you don't have to hit the you-know-what out of the ball, okay? It's all about being in control. But what was starting to happen, she was getting into a really nice rhythm on a swing, and it was great, and then I was going to progress her into the next piece, and there was this group of people coming up, so we were going to move from one particular area that we are working on on the golf course to another area. And when we moved across to that area, what happened? Her skill level dropped dramatically. And the reason for that was was because she felt under pressure because these people were, had stopped her rhythm and she felt like they were creeping up on her. So you can see how easy it is to do that. And it took her, you know, quite a number of balls to recover. And it was just talking her back through it. It was getting her to control her emotions. And it was also getting her to really just swing easy and, and get the feel back. So you can see how that happens quite quickly. So you need to make sure that you need to know how to deal with that. Okay. Number five, measure. So what you need to be doing here is you need to craft a system in which you can measure your improvement. So there's simple ways in doing that. I don't want you to be thinking so much about scores because the score, especially when you're competing in a competition or a tournament or something like that, and you have, uh, you know, you score like you, let's say in tennis you lost six love, six four or something like that. I don't mean you measure that. I mean you measure actually what's going on in specific parts of your game because you can do this in training, you can do this when you're playing. It doesn't matter what, what you do, but I want you to be looking more at the processes because we need to look at the processes. These are the things that are actually going to indicate to us whether you're, whether the improvement's actually happening, happening or not, okay? How you control your emotions, all that kind of thing. So you could create a system, let's say for a tennis serve, for example, uh, you could have the middle tee box and you're hitting to the first service box and you have to land the ball in a specific area and you have 20 serves and you have to record out of those 20 serves how many you got into that specific box. You know, things like that, things of, of again, that, that'll be some pressure as well because you obviously you want to be uh, working on improving your score. But it's, it's measuring where you're at, you know, where your accuracy is at. Because if you're doing these things, like I've said, if you're doing these things in practice, it's going to help increase your level when you're actually performing, okay? There's other things you can do. There's um, things that I've had people do and I've done it myself, is especially tracking uh, when you play golf. It's easier for, for a golfer because they're more individual. It's a bit more difficult from a, from a tennis point of view, especially if you're getting people to uh, – look at how your game's going and, and so on, and you can't really track things when you're out on the court, but we're going to talk about that in another episode, how you could do that. But 
from a from what we're doing right now, I want you to look at a way in which you can measure your level of improvement in your training. Okay, so I want you to really um, also have this in your head because I always talk about this to everyone is that these are the details in the sense of we have to have that attention to detail, okay? You want to be, you want to be the sports person you want to be, you've got to have that attention to detail, okay? And number six, this is our final one, you need to evaluate. So simple things, you can um, ask yourself really simple questions when you're evaluating at the end of the week, what's working, what is not working. Those are very two really simple questions that you can ask. You could maybe craft a scorecard and rate each skill out of 10 each week or something like that to um, indicate where you feel that your level is at. So that's more of a feel sort of thing. Or you could use those measurements, you know, like how many serves in, in the service box you got and how many forehands down the line in a specific area you hit or something like that. You could do something like that. Um, but... I want you to look at a way in which you can evaluate yourself as well, okay, because we need to be looking at how we're going to be striving for mastery. So remember, in this part, you need to ask the question on each skill too, okay, what is working, what is not working. So if you look at your each skill in your sport, okay, what's working on my forehand, what's not working on my forehand, what's working on my backhand, what's not working on my backhand, right, ask it on each skill. Also ask it about your fitness, uh, your nutrition, your mental preparation, your mental stability and, and emotional stability and so on when you're in your training as well and when you're competing, always ask that, yourself that question, okay, what's working, what's not working? Because when you're really looking at it, one, you'll become more aware, but you'll actually discover what you need to be working on to keep continuing to working on those specific things and when you also discover what's not working, you can create a new plan, okay? So, so it's really, really powerful to do that. So remember that the six points in which you need to make sure that you're working on for mastery is one, foundations, two, crafting the plan, three, the drills, four, pressure practice, five, measure. So you're going to measure, you'll create a system in which you can measure, and six, evaluate so I hope you enjoyed today's episode and I'd really appreciate if you could share with me what you like best about what you heard today and I want you to dream big, believe in you and go after your dreams. Take care, talk soon, bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening today. If you have any questions about the frustrations that you're actually going through right now, Come over and visit my site, tiffany-mika.com and you will see on the homepage I've set up Ask Tiff. Now what Ask Tiff is, is this is where you can ask me a question and I will record an episode for you on how to solve that frustration or those frustrations you're actually going through so that we can get the problem solved for you so that you're actually out there achieving your big dreams and goals. So if you want me to mention your name in the episode, happy to do so. If you don't, I can keep it anonymous. It's fine by me. But make sure you go over and, and go to the Ask Tiff on the homepage of my website. If you've just got 30 seconds to spare, I'd also appreciate if you could leave a five-star review wherever you hear these episodes. And remember, take a screenshot 
add the hashtag potential with Tiff so that I can give you a shout out for sharing these episodes on social media. I'd really appreciate it. And remember this, always, always, always dream big, believe in you and go after your dreams.